Riverbank's Cow Care Podcast. G'day, I'm Sean Britton and welcome to the Cow Care Podcast. You can catch up on any episodes you missed at cowcare.com.au. What we got today is a special episode on transition management. We've had episodes on calf rearing and fertility that have mentioned some of these techniques, but transition diets can make such a big difference on your farm that we wanted to sit down with an expert for an extended interview. A transition diet during the three weeks lean up to calving can help your milking herd avoid many health issues, and it also has a lot of positives on the rest of your cow's milking life. My producer Miles Martignoni caught up with Steve Little, veterinarian and nutrition consultant with Capacity Ag Consultants to talk more about the diet. We asked him what the origins of the research were. Uh, well, uh, I guess the research goes back several several decades, but I, I guess it's probably in the last 25 years that there's been a, quite a focus on transition um, cow nutrition and de- in the dairy industry. Um, a lot of the work being done in the in the US, um, and I guess uh, initially the focus was on um, controlling um, milk fever as sort of the one of the primary metabolic um, health problems that cows are, are at risk of around calving. Um, but but it, it, you know as time's gone on and more research has been done, you know we've we've um, come to understand all the other um, potential benefits that. Uh, can can be achieved through um, managing the transition period um, well. So you said it was initially targeted at, at milk fever. How does transition feeding help to, I guess, minimise instances of milk fever? Well, milk, milk fever is just uh, what we call hypocalcemia, which is an uh, uh, inadequate level of blood, uh, uh, calcium circulating in the blood. And when the cow calves, there's this sudden increase in demand for calcium um, and if the cow hasn't if the cow's uh, metabolism isn't primed um, she can be caught um, caught with a low blood calcium level which leads to um, uh, milk fever but also a number of other health problems that are related to having low blood calcium and there's many many of those um, we're, we're really talking about uh, managing four aspects of the diet um, we need to uh, manage the uh, the calcium levels. We actually um, we either need to have them very low or very high. Um, and it's easier to to actually formulate that pre-calving transition diet with a low blood with a low calcium level. Uh, we also need to have um, uh, low levels of phosphorus, but high levels of magnesium um, because magnesium is is important in um, milk fever control and also we need to manage the what we call the DCAD level of the diet the dietary cation anion difference uh, and we need to uh, we need to um, control that and keep that uh, uh, ideally below 80 or close to zero so that's one of the components that we include in tr- pre-carving transition diets often is some form of um, what we call anion, anionic feed supplement, or often it's a salt, uh, an anionic salt or combination of anionic salts, which um, reduces the decad of the total pre-carving transition diet to the sort of levels that we're, we're aiming for. 
And so obviously they've been proven to help with milk fever and other health issues in the short term there. But what about longer term benefits of transition diets? Uh, well, um, I guess the obvious, yeah, other, other than uh, reducing the risk that the cow might um, be lost from the herd due to some health problem, um, and uh, the other main benefits are improved fertility in the next, in the upcoming mating period, and and uh, and more milk in that uh, in the in the lactation. So the research, Australian research, shows that you know there's significant benefits to be had both in terms of fertility and um, and and milk production if we feed this um, pre-calving transition diet. For um, for three weeks before calving, and I guess the the other benefit too is uh, uh, thinking about the people involved in uh, managing these cows, and particularly in um, seasonal and split calving herds where we've got a lot of cows uh, grouped together and calving, you know, um, in a, in a relatively short block of time. It's a pretty busy time for farmers, and uh, the less uh, the less hassles they they have with cows suffering milk fever and uh, related uh, health problems, uh, you know, the the more they can concentrate on uh, all the other jobs there are to do on the farm. So, so there's a benefit there for the people on the farm as well as the health and welfare and productivity of the cows. While it seems like setting up a transition diet might be a bit of work, it sounds like you can actually save time in the long run if you put in the work at the beginning. Yeah, that's right. You know, farmers will say things like, well, I'm not chasing my tail anymore treating crook cows. You know, I can actually focus on just getting my cows to peak, peak, uh, you know, where, where I think they should. So, you know, less distractions because, uh, you know, cows that go down with milk fever and related problems, uh, you know, there's an enormous amount of time that has to be invested in those cows to get them uh, back on their feet and back to, um, you know, full productivity. And it's better to prevent these things than uh, have them happen and then try and deal with it. So different farmers have had, you know, varying experiences of transition diets. What separates a good transition diet from a bad one? Yeah, well, it, it's, it, you know, it, this is... Transition cow management's all about managing, um, you know, like a lot of things. Uh, you've got to get the details, the fine tuning right, and, and one of the first, the first most important thing uh, is for um, farmers to have accurate due calving dates, because we know that uh, we don't, we we need these cows to be on this diet for about three weeks, and if they're only on it for one or two weeks, they're they're only going to get part of the the benefit. Uh, we also don't want them to be on the diet for weeks and weeks and weeks either. Um, so um, we do; we, they do need to do early rectal or ultrasound preg testing um, between five and fifteen weeks of gestation, so that we can have accurate due calving dates and can draft these cows off uh, for that last three weeks. And then it comes down to um, what you alluded to before, which is. Uh, if we're going to get the nutritional specifications of this transition diet right, um, we need to know what the specifications of each of the ingredients is in the diet, and um, and that comes really comes down to um, uh, doing a feed analysis on the major components of the diet, which is usually 
um, the forage component because you know the the best the best lead feed supplement in the in the in the universe um, you know will will not counteract a forage which is high risk for milk fever and uh, you know too low in protein and energy for example so we need to know what we're feeding and what we're putting into that transition diet. So you're saying that farmers need to take a really close look at the grass they're growing, at the silage that they're storing, in order to get a full picture of the cow's diet. Yeah, yeah, they need to they need to crunch the numbers absolutely, and hopefully, you know, they can get their advisor to help them with that. Um, you know, I guess we uh, we need to be cautious about how much access to um, fresh pasture these pre-calving transition cows receive. Um, you know, usually we, we limit we limit that because it tends to be high high in DCAD, which is not what we want. So really, uh, usually the, the level of pasture is uh, restricted to just a few kilos of dry matter and the main forage source is usually hay, or si- hay and or silage. So they're the things that are probably most important to analyse because they're the the ones that are uh, the largest proportion of that transition diet. So that's just a simple matter of um, collecting a sample, sending it to a laboratory, interpreting the results and um, doing a few calculations. What's one of the most important keys to success for a good transition diet? Um, you know, as nutritionists, we, we, we like to say there's uh, there's there's three there's three diets that you feed cows. Um, uh, there's the one there's the one on paper. Uh, there's the one you put in front of the cows, and then there's the one that the cows actually eat. And never was that more true than it is with a transition diet, because we really need to get it right uh, for it to for it to enjoy that benefit. Which you know our our, our figures show that if we get this right, farmers are going to be um, uh, the, the net benefit is in the order of over two hundred dollars per cow per year. Okay, that's after they've paid for the the, new, the lead feed supplement uh, and all the other costs involved. But but one of the things that we need to also get right, uh, other than the car- getting the calving dates right and uh, crunching the numbers to make sure the diet is sound and low risk for milk fever is we need to make sure that all the cows that are in that pre-calving transition group uh, actually get uh, even access to the feed and even intakes. Um, so we've got to think about you know um, how much trough space we give the, the animals uh, and um, you know making sure that um, there's no restrictions on some of the less dominant cows that happen to be in the group from one week to the next. Hmm. Because um, you know, if if they're not able to consume whatever we have formulated them to 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 consume in terms of kilos of dry matter per day, then the diet's not going to be successful. And so, with the research into transition diets, we've learned a lot about what we can do to, I guess, Im- improve the the whole future of our milking herd. Mm. What's what's the next step in research? W- what's next after transition diets? Is there a next step that could take us into even better milk production or knowing how to extend the life of our herd? Oh, uh, yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think we, we can look either side of that three-week 
bacteria just bef- immediately before calving. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's lots of I think we can you know there's lots of fine tuning we could do in the early dry period. Um, I think uh, that's probably the next area of focus, and also uh, the other half of the transition period, which is the first three weeks after calving, uh, i.e., when the cows are freshly calved and just starting to um, uh, you know increase in their milk production. So. Um, I guess in pasture-based systems, it's not so easy to uh, treat those fresh cows as a, as a distinctly separate group of cows in a grazing system, as it is in a TMR, you know, barn system. Um, but I think, um, you know, there's still, there's still, uh, we know nutritionally there are things that we could or sh- perhaps should be doing differently for those fresh cows versus the, the the milking herd as a whole. And so I think yeah, there's increasing interest in um, you know what we might be able to do better in that post-carving transition. That there was Steve Little, veterinarian and nutrition consultant with Capacity Ag Consultants, talking about transition diets. If you want to find out more, you can check out our episodes on calf rearing and fertility at cowcare.com.au. You can also grab yourself a free copy of the Cow Care magazine. You can also head to dairyaustralia.com.au to find a lot of information on transition diets as well as a risk of milk fever calculator that Steve recommends. Thanks for tuning in. My producer is Miles Martignoni. I'm Sean Britton and I'll see you next time.